welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, we will be reviewing the top 20 running backs from 2020 for fantasy football. We'll be reviewing them for half PPR scoring weeks one through 16. We did this last week with quarterbacks, and now we're back a couple of days late. Unfortunately, we apologize for that, but we are back with a great show today. We're going to review the running backs after we get into one quick piece of news. I'm excited to be back for episode 58. And I mean, yeah, I guess we can just get right into it in a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. Time to talk about some running backs and uh, definitely the most important position for fantasy, I'd say. So it's always good to look back at how the past year went and kind of determine how we think maybe this year could go for running backs. Just because I mean, Calvin and I are both big. We always harp on the early RB strategy. You got to get your RBs early. So those are the most vital position, I think, for both of us. Yeah, I mean, I always have to. I definitely prioritize my running backs over wide receivers and uh, go with running backs early because in the middle round, I mean, it's basically a simple principle. Middle round wide receivers are a gold mine. Middle round wide or running backs are not. And that's really all the reasoning you need. Just go running back. I would go running back in nearly all circumstances in the first two rounds. Obviously you don't want to force anything, but I mean, if you're, if you wait too long, like if you decide, Oh man, these wide receivers, I can't pass up on. You can pass up on them. Even for a running back that might seem inferior just because it's so much easier to get wide receivers later. And if you pass on that running back later, you're going to be thinking, Oh no, my running backs are looking weak right now. That's not what you want. So we're going to be reviewing the running back position for you guys though talking about the outlooks of the top 20 finishers from last year. And yeah, it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. Before we get started, though, just some information about the site. The website uh, the link is in the description. So uh, for our podcast website, if you haven't checked it out, yeah, go click that link in the description. And we have published our in-progress rankings so far, as well as our rookie profiles. All the ones we've completed are in the folder. So if you go quick, click on that link, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go see the rankings tab. You can see Chris and I's rankings. Um, I think I'll probably be posting some articles there too. The ones I write for Luke Brown Sports Talk, when you can follow him on Twitter at LB underscore Sports Talk, click the link um, in the description. I think that takes you to like his various links where you can find the website. And so if you go to his website, I'd recommend reading my articles on there rather than on our website, just because his website is uh, has a lot of other co- good content as well. But um, yeah, I mean, th- well, I might be putting some of those up soon. And then we've got rookie profiles. So if you go to the rookie profiles tab, you can click into the folders and you have viewing access to our profiles. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as always, if you want to follow us on socials, you can follow our podcast at SGF pod on Twitter Chris is at Chris underscore SGF. I'm at Calvin underscore SGF. And you can follow our uh, live sports talk show, which we do every single week at SG Sports Talk. And that's going to be a fun show. That's definitely a fun show because we do that every week. And we've got some plans to potentially call a few college basketball games in March since March Madness is hitting uh, the airwaves now. I mean, Chris and I, we're not just football fans. We absolutely love, I mean, we love like all sports basically, but March Madness especially is one of our favorites. This is my, one of my favorite times of year, even though it's the football offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love March Madness. Some good teams. Oh, it's just such an exciting atmosphere. It seems like we have a buzzer beater every, every other game in March Madness, you know. Once mm-hmm. it gets down to it, conference tournaments too. 
just a really fun time. That's definitely my, I think that's my favorite time other than football season. Yeah. And I mean, when it was canceled last year, that was the saddest I had felt in a while. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just being completely honest. Like I genuinely was saddened that March Madness had been canceled. I was hoping for it to go on. I was like, oh, maybe they can make it safe. I don't know. But like, I mean, it wasn't going to work out. There was no way it could happen. And now a year later, we're back. All or almost all of the basketball conferences are playing in their conference tournaments, except the Ivy league. So 31 out of 32, that's pretty good considered. I mean, I would have loved to have, would have taken that in a heartbeat for last year. So, mm-hmm. yep. Totally agree. All right. So let's just go over some news before we get started. Um, ESPN has reported that David Johnson and the Texans have restructured uh, David Johnson's contract. It's a one-year deal and he could earn up to 6 million in 2021. I think 4.25 million is guaranteed. The rest of it is based on incentives. And yeah, I mean, this is, I guess, restructured from, I assume, I guess he had a more expensive contract originally. So this is a good uh, deal for the Texans. I would say it's about the right price for David Johnson, who's an older guy. You don't want to really lock him up for the long term because it's clear he's not the same player he once was. But then again, I mean, he was very good, especially in the passing game last year. So you definitely want to get a guy like that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, his value is just so good. And uh, I mean, overall, I mean, he's he struggled, right? We saw him struggle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we we did, except I think his main impact, though, was when it, his main impact was catching the ball. And he, mm-hmm. when he was catching the football, like, between the tackles, not the most effective guy. The Texans were like bottom of the league in mm-hmm. rushing yards. But when he was like catching screen passes or catching passes in the flat, he was at his most effective. Yeah, and that's that's where he's going to thrive. I mean, obviously he struggled and he didn't look like a great running back. But I think he, even though he didn't have a great season, he definitely rebounded. And I, I definitely expect to see maybe, or maybe I don't, I'm not, ex- I'm hoping to see some improvement from him. I have him on my dynasty team kind of as a band-aid for just, this one final year, but uh, I think he should be a solid kind of RB3 range moving forward, just for at least for next year. Yeah, for next year. For redraft, like him a lot better than Dynasty. For Dynasty, I mean, I, I doubt you could get more than a third-round pick for him in a trade. Um, Chris and I, I mean, this is mainly a redraft show, so we're not as much like experts on Dynasty, but we're getting into it. You can ask us Dynasty questions over on Twitter or email us secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll listen. We'll answer but um we're still getting we don't we're still getting like that full sense of how the dynasty rookie picks are valued and this is still like a main redraft show so and but i mean if you want to ask us about dynasty we'd be willing to answer Mm -hmm. yep all right yeah and i mean he is a good band-aid for a dynasty team it's not like he's unrosterable because say you have like a really young team but you got that one hole you just need to fill for a year maybe you're like really happy about the next year's rookie class. You've got a few guys you've got your eye on. Um, I mean, just fill it up because I mean, in dynasty, obviously, well, in any fantasy league, the ultimate goal is the championship. And so if you're like one piece away from a championship and you need to get that this year, or maybe your team's like, this is your year. Like you got a one year window or two year window. You might want a guy like David Johnson to just patch that up like a bandaid, like Chris said. And um, since we actually have, an extra wide receiver starting spot and an extra flex in our league, three wide receivers and two flexes, which is becoming more common these days. Um, I think especially in dynasty, uh, sometimes you might like 
have like a bad second flex. I know there's a lot of teams in our league that have bad flexes and they would want, definitely want a guy like David Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's just an all around solid guy. He's definitely getting older, but I mean, we have seen running backs go for a while. I mean, Frank Gore is definitely an outlier, but running backs can definitely play. And maybe he, after this year, after his one year deals up, he gets re-signed by the Texans. Maybe they look to the draft or something though, and they don't re-sign him. He could get re-signed by another team and he could definitely still be a valuable player on a dynasty bench, right? I don't think that he's ever going to jump back up to that RB2, RB3 level after next year, but uh, yeah. I think he's definitely going to still hold some value. It's not, I mean, it's not someone that you're looking to have on your team and not necessarily someone that you should be going out and buying, but he's definitely worth a roster spot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, he's when running backs hit that wall, they're never the same player. And I think we can agree that David Johnson has hit the wall, but it's not like it's not always like the situation with LaShawn McCoy where they're just terrible. Like David Johnson has hit the wall, but he's still fine. I don't think he, I, I'm going to go as far in saying he hasn't hit the wall yet. But maybe he's sort of hit like a little, a barrier. I think, yeah, I think he's, he's <laughs> at a hurdle, but I think he's, he, he showed last year. I think he kind of got over it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we both agree that he's the same player, he, not the same player he once was, but I think it's fair maybe to classify it as more of a barrier than like a full-on wall. He's mm-hmm. 29, I think. Yeah. That's a, not a good age for running backs. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I think that's enough about David Johnson, though. Let's move on. I wonder if he finished. Let's see. Did he finish in the top 20 this season? Uh, He was RB24, so he will not be talked about on today's show other than what we just said about him. So we're going to get into the top 20 running backs from 2020, get into their outlook for 2021 fantasy, again, mainly for redraft. But, um, I mean, there are some guys in here we might briefly, like one of my favorites, one of my favorite players, DeAndre Swift, has, I mean, for example, a player like him would have way more value in a dynasty league than in a redraft league because he's so young and he's got so much potential. And, um, but let's start off at the top. Alvin Kamara. With playing 15 games, played all 15 games this season, second in points per game, first overall in points, um, playing in a Saints offense. That I mean, when Drew Brees was on the field, life was good. When Taysom Hill was on the field, life was pretty good, but not great for Kamara. And that's why, I mean, if we're the uncertainty about the quarterback situation has me questioning him. I think if Jameis Winston starts for them next year, which is looking like he actually might, Kamara might jump up to like probably number four in my rankings. If uh, Winston doesn't start, if Taysom Hill starts, maybe I consider moving him down to like six or seven. But right now he's just sitting at five for me just because of the uncertainty about the quarterback situation. Looks like Winston's the favorite to start, but we don't have any definitive answer yet. And there's a chance even Drew Brees comes back. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He's he's definitely a really interesting player to watch. I mean, there's so many different things going on in this Saints, this whole Saints thing right now. But, uh, I mean, the one guy that we know is going back next year is Alvin Kamara, and he plays such a huge role in that offense. And, and we saw him as the number one fantasy running back. I don't expect him to have a drop-off in talent or anything. My main concern is just his workload. Like, where is that heading next year? It's really it's tough to figure out. Yeah, I mean, it's that's why I want – like, I would much rather have a Jameis Winston, like, in a pass-happy offense to throw him the ball because Taysom Hill didn't really give him the ball much on checkdowns. Maybe that'll change. But with Taysom Hill, like, he doesn't 
throw he's not like the biggest thrower kind of guy and he also runs the ball so it's not like a big piece of the passing pie for Kamara and that would be a concerning situation but I think there's a good chance it may be I don't I'm Winston may be more likely to start than Taysom Hill it's hard to say right now and I do think Drew Brees retires but um yeah that'll be interesting to watch it's he's a player that's tough to project right now Mm -hmm. yeah definitely because we saw when Taysom Hill was at the helm he was not getting the pressures that we're used to with Drew Brees but uh Definitely still a talented player, and we know the Saints like to use him in very creative ways. Like to use him – I mean, he's so versatile. They like to use him all over the field as a receiver, as a running back. So I think that he's a really good player. But I don't know if Taysom Hill comes back, if he can be a top three. I definitely don't think he can be a top three, maybe not even a top five running back next year. Yeah, that's going to be it's, – it's difficult. And I agree, he's such a talented player. It would stink for his fantasy stock. But – um. Yeah, I mean, he had that top finish. It's just the concern at quarterback is the main thing. And I think that's why that's what's good about redraft. Like, we've got plenty, plenty, plenty of time to plan this out before um, July or August. Like, when in August, we'll know a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's a guy, uh, not to sound like Chris Collinsworth, <laughs> for some reason I just thought of that, Dalvin Cook at number two. Uh, he averaged the most fantasy points per game last year in half PPR. This is through weeks one through 16, by the way. Um, 22.6 fantasy points per game. Played 14 games. Picked up 315.8 fantasy points. And um, Dalvin Cook is my number two running back next year as well. He's just behind Christian McCaffrey because, yes, like maybe someone has McCaffrey or, or has Cook over McCaffrey, but... There's, I think, two reasons why for me that you shouldn't do that. Number one is that, I mean, the knock against McCaffrey is maybe that he was hurt a lot last year. Don't forget that Dalvin Cook also has a long history of injuries from when he's been in the NFL. A lot of these top running backs, excluding Derrick Henry, are very injury risky. And another thing, Dalvin Cook averaged 22.6 points per game. This was his best fantasy season by far, or maybe not by far, far, but like his best fantasy season ever. Christian McCaffrey, in his best fantasy season ever, which was last year, 26.3 fantasy points per game. That's a huge gap. Those two factors, it's McCaffrey over Cook for me, and I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, definitely. I mean, McCaffrey, he's just so talented, and it really, ugh, it just it pains me to think about when he was injured and I just had to struggle with him on my bench, you know, but he's mm-hmm. definitely such a talented player, and I mean, he's the clear-cut number one fantasy running back whatever format you play, whether you play best ball, whether you play dynasty, whether you play redraft, whether you play a keeper league, you know, he's the best player to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, or, or sorry, wait, wait, you said, or sorry, I missed some of that. Wait, can you, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the best, he's the best player in fantasy, in fantasy. Right? Oh, right. you met McCaffrey. Oh, I see you. Yeah. You were talking about McCaffrey. Yeah. I was confused. Cause I was like, you oh, sorry. With... I, yeah, sorry. I, mm-hmm. You, know, you, you did say McCaffrey. I was just, I zoned out for a second. But yeah, I mean, I agree. 100%. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, every time you bring up McCaffrey, when I keep on, I think about my struggles with him and that makes me start talking about him. But yeah, Cook, I mean, he's definitely, he's, he's a top running back and he's going to be top three. I really like him just in this offense. They like to give him almost, it seems like 25, 30 touches every other game he's getting 30. So, you know, it's just, the workload is incredible, and he's doing a lot with it, too. Getting some good touchdowns. They like to involve him in the passing game, too. So he's not limited, really, in any parts uh, of his game. And I just think that, overall, he's one of the best guys, and he's still pretty young, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's great for Dynasty as well. Uh, I guess 
I mean, probably he seems like a guy who'd be around number two in Dynasty. So kind of, yeah. I mean, a lot of play, people like to project like those even younger running backs close to or ahead of Cook, but I mean, he seems like a good number two to have. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is from 2020, Derrick Henry, who finished as the RB. Oh, wait, no, I think he was in 2019, the RB3 or the RB2. I'm just going to pull that up real quick. He was actually the um, RB6. Wait, hold on. No, he was the RB3. In we- oh, that includes week 17. No. Doesn't it? Or does mm-hmm. it? Why am I no, not? Week, week 1 through 16, he was RB3. Yeah, I mean, in 2020. I just thought in 2019 he finished a little higher. Let, oh, let me sorry. See. I thought I think Okay. 2019 weeks 1 through 17. Oh, yeah, he did jump to the RB3. But, I mean, okay, whatever. He was very cl- clearly very close to the RB3. Clearly very close to a top fifth, or three running back in 2019. Gets there again in 2020. And here's why Derrick Henry is my number three overall player. This is not something that people like to project. But that just means you're going to get a value on Derrick Henry next year. The dude doesn't get hurt. And we talk, I just talked about, like, McCaffrey, one of the top running backs, has injury risk. So does Dalvin Cook. So does Saquon Barkley. So does Alvin Kamara, even. I mean, people tend to forget about that, but he has had his share of injuries as well. And then you see Nick Chubb, who, okay, has some injury risk. And then, like, all those guys who are, like, at the top at least have some injury risk. Derrick Henry, while he has some, it's very, very minimal. He's... A freak of nature. He's proven he's an outlier at the running back position. For Dynasty, he's a little more concerning because, like, even outliers have to fall off at some point. But I think you can trust him for one more year in redraft. And if you're just going to get that guaranteed guy who's always on the field, who just goes off against bottom defenses and can win you a week, and he still has a ceiling as high as anyone's, even though he doesn't catch very many passes. I mean, even if he doesn't finish as the RB3, that could, you can still argue that was worth it if someone like a sleeper jumps ahead oh, of him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just because you know he's not going to get hurt. Yep, you know he's not going to get hurt, and you know he's going to be consistent and put up consistent fantasy production. And sometimes that's better than a guy that's going to go better than a guy that's going to go 35 and then 10, or maybe they go 40 and then 10, 40, 10, you know, hypothetically. What is that, an average of 25? I'd much rather have someone that's going for 20 points every single game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's a good. Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if I would. Have, yeah, maybe like, not twenty, minutes. but maybe like maybe maybe like twenty-two or twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I get what you're saying, and that that's why honestly, there's a case for Derrick Henry as the one hundred and one because of that. Like we mm-hmm. saw, I know it's maybe a little bit reactionary. I'm not saying I agree with it because it may be reactionary from like seeing all the top backs get hurt. Like last year, that was a little bit fluky, having McCaffrey and Barkley get hurt. But I mean. There is a case, though. There's at least some case. I think there's a better case for him as the number two because I feel like McCaffrey's sort of in his own tier. Do you think, Chris, there would be, like, oh, man. I mean, I, but Dalvin Cook was significantly better than Henry this year, though. So may, maybe I'll leave him at the number three. I'm saying there's a case. Probably not for number one, but maybe for number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe even for number one if you want that security. It, I mean, it's fair. I'm not going to hate you for it. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with you there, Calvin, just because I think that you can you can trust him, and that's that's the biggest thing. You can trust what he's going to do, and, and you're not worried about some massive injury like him blowing out his ACL. The worst thing that's going to happen is he's going to get an ankle sprain and be out for one week, you know, and even that hasn't really happened. So I think he's definitely – he's one of the best players in this in, – in redraft. Yeah. All right. So, uh, oh, interesting news, though, before we move on. 
Um, yeah, I would think I'd have Henry as my number three overall player, number three running back. Kenny Galladay, Ian Rappaport reports that Kenny Galladay is expected to be franchise tagged. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's not good for his fantasy stock. I don't want him. I don't, I don't know if I want Jared Goff throwing to him. I'm glad I traded him away in Dynasty. Happy about that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's uh, – looks like Rappaport mentioned that. And then also news on Aaron Jones. The Packers general manager, Brian Gute, Gutkunst, says <laughs> that Air, the franchise tag is a possibility for Aaron Jones – he also mentioned that it's case by very much case by case, and that he typically prefers to avoid using the franchise tag. Okay, that sounds okay. Yeah, I kind of panicked when I saw the headline, but I think that sounds like he's going to go, and that AJ Dillon will be the guy next year. Mm-hmm. Because I yeah. also have AJ Dillon in Dynasty, that's why I would have panicked. Yeah, or they can just get rid of AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, and maybe Jamal Williams number one. What do you think, Calvin? <laughs> no, please. I have Jamal Williams. They're just going to cut A.J. Dillon mm-hmm. after, yeah. a, after a disastrous rookie season and when he saw very limited touches mm-hmm. behind a stud running back. Ooh. Jamal Williams said that he'd really love to stay in Green Bay. I don't care. Well, I do care if Jamal Williams comes back, but I think A.J. Dillon can take the majority of the carries. It's all right. If it helps his efficiency, it's okay with me. The Packers aren't going to use a workhorse anyway. Like, let's be honest, that's not really what the Packers do. So, well, Eddie Lacy. <laughs> okay, well, that was under the McCarthy era. That doesn't feel like something. That's something Matt LaFleur has avoided doing throughout his entire coaching career in uh, Green Bay. Um, so I think, I, I, I don't know if I care too much about Dylan's fantasy stock with Jamal Williams, because I think even if they don't bring him back, they'll bring another guy in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, we're getting a little bit off topic, but at least we're talking about running backs. That was sort of my fault because I saw those headlines. Hmm. Number four, James Robinson played 14 games out of 15. Well, because when I say like 15, 14 games, it's not because they missed a game. It's because, well, James Robinson missed a game, but it's because we're doing weeks one through 16 once again. But James Robinson, 16.1 fantasy points per game, finishes the RB4. He was not really in the Derrick Henry tier, the Dalvin Cook tier, the Dalvin Kamara tier. But he was a very, very reliable player. I believe in half PPR, like he was the only player to score at least 10 fantasy points in every single game, which is, you love to see that consistency. And well, I'll, I'll let Chris, I'll, Chris, I'll let you talk about him first because I've got some opinions on James Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I don't trust James Robinson, honestly. Like, I don't think that he's the future for this team. And honestly, I'm I really don't like him. Maybe if the if definitely if the Jags don't re-sign another running back or get anyone else or look at a draft for a running back, definitely get him. But I feel like they're gonna bring in a compliment. I just don't know if it's realistic every single year. Like I I know that I probably should trust James Robinson, but I just don't. I don't I don't trust him to be a number four guy or something in the future. And I don't trust the Jags to stick with him. I mean, we're getting news now that the Dolphins are expected to bring in another a, a feature back that's not miles gaskin right mm-hmm. well i mean that's okay but why isn't that this... i just feel like the same thing's gonna happen to james robinson i mean why though first of all he was really good and i mean maybe they'll they're gonna bring in another guy but i mean it's the, it's different with gaskin it's not like the jaguars are linked to aaron jones with gaskin if the the, the 
the Dolphins are going after like more of that star tier. And here's why I like James Robinson a lot next year. I agree that he's not going to be that RB4 guy. I am concerned a little bit in Dynasty, although I think he still could be a good buy low candidate just because people underrate him. Yes, the main argument against James Robinson, though, his touch share, like his running back touch share for the team was ridiculously high. Yes, it was. Yes, it could. The touch percentage will go down if they bring in another player. But guess what? The Jaguars were also second to last in the league in terms of time of possession. That's bound to go up with Trevor Lawrence. They were also a 1-15 team who rarely led in games. They won the first game of the season. That was the game where Robinson was the least experienced. In all of his more experienced games, they lost. You can't—I mean, obviously he got a lot of touches, but it's still— it. They weren't leading in games, and when if they're leading in games more, and if they have the ball more, if they chew clock, run the ball more, it's gonna make up for that uh, takeaway and touches, and maybe not completely. I, in fact, I doubt it makes up for it completely because I do feel like they're not gonna ride him as the feature back as much, just because I mean that's not that's something the NFL in general is going away from these days. But I think it's realistic to project him as the RB nine where I have him now. I mean, depending on where Aaron Jones goes, maybe he drops to the RB10, maybe at worst RB12, because I really like Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift. And, or I keep saying at worst, but at worst RB13, because I do like Chris Carson for redraft next year. But mm-hmm. no lower than that. And when you look where James Robinson's being projected, he's at pre projected as a mid tier RB2. So even if you're at that 13 range, you can still get a really nice value on him. So go after James Robinson. I would say in Dynasty but especially in redraft as well, maybe especially in both. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I have like a completely formed argument about it. It doesn't really feel like they need to bring in a new starter for years to come. I think it's just because people think of him as an undrafted free agent and that's Mm -hmm. why they think they should bring in a new starter. But I mean, why is it different than any other good running back? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's where I am with you, but I just still don't have that confidence just because that tag is an undrafted rookie free agent. But that's just like that's just in a bias. I'm, I'm definitely higher on him in redraft than I am in dynasty. But I mean that that's like I, that's I, I think I think for this year I want to see what the Jags do throughout free agency, and then I'll make my stance on him more clear. Okay, well I mean that's why he's a good buy low in dynasty now because I think people just like it's sort of like a. In, in internal bias for people who like think, yeah, but he's an undrafted free agent. Who cares? He produced. His draft stock clearly does not matter. Well, it maybe does a little bit, but it's if he produced, it's not like he's suddenly going to revert to being some random undrafted free agent next year. He's a good running back. We know that. And if people are using undrafted free agent to try to knock on his talent, those days, that should not be happening anymore. And he's one of the most underrated players for fantasy next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't see him as one of the most underrated because I think each league is going to have someone that fully trusts him. So I don't know. If, I think it's a buy low. Not at RB9 like. level. Like, not mm-hmm. no way compared to the, like, maybe someone who quit fantasy, like, will draft him as a back-end RB1, but that's even, like, a fine spot to take him. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, and, the, I mean, the rankings will show it. It's, it's like, at the end of the day, yes, people do, like, like maybe what James Robinson did for their fantasy teams, but they're not going to reach on him because he's just ranked that low. And it's not, I mean, I'm not saying it is a reach, but they'll, it'll be fairly easy. I predict to get James Robinson at a value next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. 
So, I mean, but I guess you said, I guess, he, um, but yeah, I guess you don't think he's as big of a value though. I mean, mm-hmm. you said yeah. you agree, but. um, I, I agree that his value, I, I agree with you that his value could be good for this year. Not, not in the future, not as long. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair for dynasty. It's different. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's different though. Maybe it's just, I'm scared. Maybe I'm irrationally scared. I don't know. I think I might be. That's like maybe what I'm, my logical mind is going to. Uh, number five running back, Aaron Jones. Only played 13 games. Still finished as the RB5, but it was tough to see. Like, he was a, still very inconsistent. He wasn't the workhorse in Green Bay. But, I mean, I don't think people should be saying, like, oh, man, let's hope Aaron Jones goes to the Dolphins and becomes the workhorse. Because it's like, I mean... What if his efficiency goes down with it? His efficiency is fantastic. If his efficiency goes down, but his carries go up, all that does is put more mileage on his legs. Maybe we do. Maybe this is the ceiling for Aaron Jones. I think this might be his absolute highest fantasy value can go as a slightly inconsistent, but very productive guy in Green Bay who splits time with Jamal Williams and sometimes can be frustrating. Sometimes he sits out for a whole drive. But it's and it's frustrating to watch. But at the end of the day, he gets you fantasy points. I think that might be the ceiling for Aaron Jones in fantasy. Yeah, and it's just it's his usage. It's so frustrating for Aaron Jones fantasy owners, especially me. I mean, he'll have this forty-five point game like he did, and the next game you'll see him sitting out like two drives. (laughs) But I mean, maybe it's like I mean, I don't know how can his fantasy value get higher. People expect him to maintain the same efficiency like with Miami in like a worse offense who that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams where he'd probably be used as the feature feature back. I mean, maybe not. Maybe Brian Flores will be smart about it and give Miles Gaskin some touches. But that feels if you're paying, he's expecting or they're expecting him to get like up to 15 million a year. If you're paying a guy that much, he's going to be your workhorse. I don't know mm-hmm. if we should. I mean, obviously, Aaron Jones is a great player, but um. I don't know if we should be expecting better things from him elsewhere. He's already given us plenty. Like, this was all what we hoped and dreamed a couple of years ago when people were talking about, like, maybe an Aaron Jones breakout from, like, nothing to, like, two stri- straight top five finishes. Like, let's not get let's not get greedy here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he, he can be top five. I don't want to put him in the top five, but he's definitely not top three. Mm-hmm. All right, number six is David Montgomery, and this is a guy who's expected to see regression. He had a great end of the season, and that's why he finished as RB6, but he's ranked, I mean, on Fantasy Pros, I think around the RB20. But yeah, let's listen to his schedule in the uh, games that he broke out. I'm just putting this on half PPR here. Um, His schedule in the games he broke out. So after the bye week, he missed the game, and then he had the bye. After the bye, Green Bay, Houston, or Green Bay, Detroit, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay were all six of his breakout games. That's like the easiest schedule you can possibly ask for, and that's not even an exaggeration. All of those defenses were atrocious, again, or at least they were from very bad to atrocious against the run, and Montgomery really capitalized, plus the return of Tariq Cohen, who's just a pass-catching guy. Obviously, Matt Nagy knows that David Montgomery can catch the ball, but at the same time, he loves Tariq Cohen. We know that. So, huge regression coming for David Montgomery. I don't. I think he's being valued at a fine spot right now in expert rankings. I don't know if that will translate to the fantasy population. I think that sometimes experts may overestimate like how that translates. That that it like maybe say it doesn't translate enough. But I think people will understand 
that David Montgomery is not going to be an RB six again. Yeah, I, I agree there. And uh, Tariq Cohen was re-signed. He's going not going to be a, tw- a free agent until 2024. So he's, he's not going anywhere. And I think that he's just going to steal away some of these touches. And I do like David Montgomery, but I don't, I still don't trust his talent because even when he got a ton of touches, he wasn't that efficient with it. Like, I mean, we look at some of his yards per carry, and I know that yards per carry isn't always a metric that you want to trust, but it goes 4.9, 5.1. Then we have this huge lull, 3.2, 2.7, 2.9, 3.1, 3.4, 4.2, 2.1, and then he picks it up towards the end of the season against Green Bay, poor run defense, 9.4. Detroit, 4.2. Houston, poor run defense, 10.3. Minnesota, 4.6. Jacksonville, 4.1. Green Bay to the end of the season, 3.1. Like, he's not that efficient. And though he did a lot better towards the end of the season, he was he had over his last one, two, three, four, over his last five games, he had seven touchdowns. Yeah. That's not something he's going to repeat. I just don't trust him. I mean, there definitely is, like, obviously, that is yet another reason he's going to regress. But I'll just, here, I'm just going to throw out just, like, a couple of potential arguments for David Montgomery. One is that uh, he he did look like a better running back on the field this year yes maybe his efficiency isn't the greatest but it was better in general than what it was last year and you'd like to see that he looked like a better running back I think he slimmed down too which is huge and number two guess who he has in his division Packers Lions Vikings the Vikings I mean they're getting some guys back from injuries but they're still not going to be a good run defense maybe average at best there's those guys that they're getting back I mean it's more of like a blitzing edge rushers kind of guys so I think he'll he gets six games against these bad run defenses in his division. And I know that's something that fantasy analysts don't consider a lot, but I think we could consider it because part of the reason he had that huge six-game stretch that he had four games against divisional opponents out of those six. So, I mean, that affected it, and that should definitely change your opinion a little bit of Dave Montgomery. Maybe when the schedules come out, say he gets lucky, gets a favorable draw in the playoffs, maybe gets a lot of those divisional matchups in the fantasy playoffs. That might be something you want to look at for him. So it's I'm not saying you should avoid him at all costs. I'm just saying there's regression coming. Mm-hmm. Yep, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, it's there's like two sides of the coin with it. And, I mean, it's not like – and I, I mean, in general, I think he's being valued pretty fine right now. In, but yeah, it's just, it's, in, he's an interesting player. Number mm-hmm. seven, Jonathan Taylor. Here's a guy, I said it again, <laughs> who I expect to finish as the RB7 again next year behind Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and Nick Chubb. Uh, I think the main regression coming for Jonathan Taylor is his target share, which is a, um, I mean, it's a concern because Phillip Rivers likes to throw the running back a lot and Taylor's targets still weren't that great, even though he's a good pass catcher. Now that Rivers is gone, I mean, and Carson Wentz is there. I mean, oh, I'm trying to think. Is Carson Wentz like the type of guy to throw to the running back? I mean, I guess Boston Scott got some touches, so he could be fine. But I think Taylor's targets will go down because nobody really does like to throw to the running back more than Phillip Rivers. But Taylor Mm -hmm. just showed he was an insane rusher. He did have an easy schedule at the end of the season. But here's why I'm encouraged. He had like Green Bay, Houston, Vegas, Houston, Jacksonville. But in between that, he had Pittsburgh. And against Pittsburgh, he still put up a nice game. 18 carries for 74 yards against one of the best defenses in the league. That's still four yards per carry. He's... It's not like the same situation as David Montgomery. And, I mean, you look earlier in the year against Chicago, 17 for 68. That's a tough run defense, and that's fine. I mean, 
I'm looking and wow, he really had an easy schedule throughout the year. But Baltimore, I mean, he wasn't getting that many touches, but six for 27, that's a fine yards per carry. Those are like the three really tough matchups that stand out for Jonathan Taylor. And he was fine in all of them. And like uh, opportunities aside. So it's, it's not like he can't run against good defenses. The main regression will be a drop off in targets, I think. Yeah, and he was so good when uh, with contact. Like, he was almost Derrick Henry level. Like, he was just really good after contact. And he was just a really talented runner. I mean, production aside, his talent was incredible. And he had it on full display last season. I definitely like him moving forward just because of how good of a running back he, I think he is. So, mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see what he does this year. He's not one of my favorite guys just because I don't – there's a lot of moving pieces in this Colts offense. He's got guys like uh, – T.Y. Hilton moving on, maybe Michael Pittman stepping up. Maybe they go after a receiver somewhere. Then you've got Carson Wentz obviously coming in. There's a lot of interesting things going on. Mm-hmm. All right, number eight running back on the season, Kareem Hunt. He is going to have major regression next year. I have my, ranked my top two running backs and don't even have them have him in it. Number one, because Nick Chubb missed a few games. And number two, because, I mean, Kareem Hunt is a good player. He's a good pass catcher. But when Nick Chubb was on the field and he came back, the workload slowly started to shift over to Chubb until Chubb was like the majority kind of guy and Hunt was more of a pass catcher. I Hunt is a fine running back. It's just his ceiling doesn't feel that great. And he'll be fine for fantasy purposes. He'll be startable some weeks. But he was not, for like most of the second half of the season, he was not a guy that you could rely on to be an every week starter. So that's why, I mean, you can't really rank him like really up to mid-tier RB2. You want to have those guys that you can rely on as every week starters, and Kareem Hunt isn't really going to be one in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I just don't think that you can trust his production, even in a run-heavy uh, offense. All right, and then number nine is Josh Jacobs. That RB9 finish, very impressive for sure. It was boosted by a first game after which, like a very good first game after which he didn't do as well. I have Jacobs as my RB16. That range is sort of fluid I might bump him down behind Cam Akers but that's just because he has a three-game suspension to start the season and I mean also I feel like a lot of the running backs ahead of him like DeAndre Swift Antonio Gibson guys like that have a lot of potential but I mean is it just me or is like fantasy pros forgetting that Josh Jacobs is suspended probably for three games next year due to his DUI mm-hmm. like it's yeah, almost a certainty yeah, so that that's that's another big thing, and I mean that's that just takes away from his production. I think towards the end of the season, though, he'll definitely rebound nicely. Yeah, I mean people have him as the RB eleven. They have him on the RB eleven consensus on fantasy pros. I feel like it's that's just I I I'm feeling like at least multiple rankers just especially ones who put him as like the RB six just forgot he was suspended for three games this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously seventeen game season probably coming up. That's helpful, but um. Still, Ivan's RB sixteen, maybe seventeen as of right now, maybe or maybe fifteen. It's that range is kind of fluid. You can go on the site to look at my rankings. Mm-hmm. Number ten, Ezekiel Elliott. This is a guy who's going to get a lot better next year. Uh, played fourteen games, but it's when Dak when Dak Prescott was playing before Dak Prescott's injury, Elliott was the same guy he always was. When Prescott went out, Elliott was not the same guy because he didn't have that offensive support around him. I mean. When Prescott comes back next year, his efficiency is bound to rise. He may lose a few more touches than usual to Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard really proved himself. And, I mean, he's probably not – he probably has experienced at least a little bit of regression 
because he's had like four straight workhorse seasons. He didn't really look that much different to me. So I, but near the end of the season, he started to seem seem to regain his old explosiveness. But I mean, the main thing is he's had a lot of carries. So maybe there's a little bit of regression on his part. Maybe there's a little bit more taken away from Tony Pollard. So I'm a little bit concerned about him in Dynasty. But in redraft next year, I mean, I'm fine putting him as my RB8. And that's pretty much like RB8 or RB7 for me, for sure, is for Ezekiel Elliott next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about Tony Pollard. I think that... It- when you've got talent in that backfield, they're going to want to use it. And Tony Pollard was really good in the past game. He was extremely efficient. And obviously, it's a smaller sample size. But he was a really, really good back. And we remember how excited they were about him. I mean, honestly, like, I just, I think that this is one of those, like, things like I talked about with Dallas Goddard and Zach. Like, obviously, it's not going to happen. But I just feel like Tony Pollard is going to slowly just start eating into this role to the point where he's pulling a Jamal Williams-type role, Right where he's mm-hmm. getting two drives in an eight-drive game. Like, that's my concern right now. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would say it's a valid concern. It's like, I have my opinion on Zeke, but at the same time, I'm hearing you say the same things you said about Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, and you said maybe, just maybe, Dallas Goddard takes over for Zach Ertz, and I laughed that notion off. I said, yeah, Dallas Goddard's going to take some, but he's not going to take over from Zach Ertz. There's no possible way. And he did. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm concerned. Maybe Chris is just like... I feel like Chris has some sort of sense with this where he's going to know. Yep. Oh, man. Zeke is going to be tough. I mean, mm-hmm. it's tough to rely on him, but you kind of – for redraft, I'm fine with it. Dynasty, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Dynasty, but, I mean, his dynasty ranking is lower than his redraft ranking. Number 11, Nick Chubb. This guy only played 11 games, so he played as many games as his ranking. But when he was on the field, he actually, uh in 2020 – Averaged the sixth most fantasy points per game out of running backs. Christian McCaffrey was actually number one in average in his three games played, which was a ridiculous 27.3, which proves he's still a great running back. But I've got Nick Chubb as my RB6. Uh, Chris has him. I was looking at Chris's rankings. He has him as RB5. Because while Nick Chubb isn't going to catch the most passes because Kareem Hunt's going to take a lot of them, his rushing floor is so consistent. And he proved he still had a ceiling the last year. People can, you can be concerned about pass catching, but at the same time, when a guy proves that he still has the ceiling, you can sort of like, you worry a little less. It's hard to do that, but you can. I mean, he's better in standard than in PPR points per reception, obviously. But yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb, I think a good spot for him is RB6 right outside that Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Nick Ch- or uh, Alvin Kamara tier. So he's my number six overall player next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely like Nick Chubb a lot. I think I have him inside my top five. Mm-hmm. Man. I think you you had him. Let's see, the players that you had him above that I didn't, it was just Kamara, and that was it. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, wait, oh, I see the leaders now. Um, oh, this is sorted in average points per game. So I got to get that out of this. Let's sort by rank. Um, Mike Davis was the RB 12. I mean, (laughs) he proved he was good. I mean, he sort of regressed after a while, like after defenses started figuring him out, I guess. But I mean, draft him as a handcuff to Christian McCaffrey, but I don't even know if we know Mike Davis is going to be in Carolina next year. I think the lesson is just to draft your running back handcuff or someone else's running back handcuff. You don't have to always have to handcuff your own running back. But I mean, my, I don't know if we need to talk about him much. Obviously he was good, but it's not really a guy you are targeting. He's actually a free agent. So yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And they're actually predicting that he could maybe get some offers in free agency. I don't know. Yeah, It'll be interesting. interesting. Yeah, Mike Davis just disappeared for a while, and then he returned. Last I saw him on the Bears, then suddenly he pops up, and he's actually putting up borderline RB1 fantasy production. I mean, not even borderline. He played a or he played 15 games, I guess, but McCaffrey played in three of them. He was still an RB1, so maybe like borderline top 10 production for a while there. Mm-hmm. Number yeah. 13, Antonio Gibson, one of my favorite breakout candidates next year. I've got him as the RB11, and I would even consider moving him up even more just because he's such a good player. He looks like when you watch him, he's such a great runner between the tackles. But and right when he started proving himself, he got turf toe. And when he came out on the field, even after he was not hurt, he was not the same player. He did not have the same explosiveness between the tackles. That was very, very clear to even the casual uh, football watcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, okay. I've had turf toe before. It hurt. <laughs> it hurts so bad. Like, you can't even walk on it for, like, two days. Like, you can't try and walk on the side of your foot or anything. It hurts so bad, and then it just hurts for, like, weeks after you don't have that push off it's it's a painful injury and i mean i'm sure he had it worse than i did i'm i can definitely understand why it was limiting him yeah and but i think he's the reason he's going to be great next year is because he can assume he's already assumed the rushing workload and i think washington i mean they still want to throw to jd mckissick and okay but before we move on every time i listen to like People talk about fantasy football or hear, see it on, like, Twitter. People act like J.D. McKissick is just this awful player who's swiping touches from Antonio Gibson. He's taking receptions, but he's a good pass catcher. Let's not mm-hmm. act like he's a bad player. I'm not faulting Washington for doing this. It makes sense to slowly work it. Like, I mean, Ron Rivera and Washington people are like, Ron Rivera, use Antonio Gibson in the workhorse role right now. Why would he do that when J.D. McKissick can be effective on the in the passing game? And I think slowly, but I do think, on the other hand, slowly he will work into something close to a workhorse role. His targets were slowly increasing. I'm just not counting the turf toe stuff. Like, when he was healthy, his targets were slowly increasing. J.D. McKissick, he was still getting his touches, but they started trusting Gibson more in the passing game. And Washington, when they had their tough quarterback situation— You know what they do? They scheme to throw to the running back. There's enough touches for both of them in the passing game to go around. And Washington's going to have some quarterback trouble next year. They're cutting Alex Smith. They're going to have Taylor Heineke, Alex Smith, or Kyle Allen. Who knows who else? Mac Jones, maybe. They're going to be throwing to the running back a lot because they're not going to have, like, a quarterback that can be completely trusted to just, like, make plays on his own. So they're going to have a lot of checkdowns. There's going to be enough touches for both. Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick in the passing game. Yeah, and they love to get them both involved. And Antonio De- Gibson definitely can be a workhorse. He proved that. And I'm on. I'm right there with you, Calvin. I love Antonio Gibson next year. Yeah, he was the RB13, only playing 13 out of the 15 games, though. So, mm-hmm. great player. Number 14, yeah. Kenyon Drake. <sighs> I had Kenyon Drake ranked ahead of Alvin Kamara heading into this year. I had the RB14 ranked ahead of the RB1. That hurts. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I had Kenyon Drake, I think, a little bit lower, and I definitely was right. And that RB14 number doesn't really showcase kind of how bad of a season he had. Mm-hmm. I, I It was definitely worse than that. I mean, like... It felt it, worse for someone who hyped him up so much. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, too, he was just struggling so much. Like, people were literally... Sometimes you can handle... If Josh Jacobs goes out for the first three weeks and you know it, right... You can put someone else in, or you can draft maybe to have his handcuff, right? But when Kenyon Drake is putting up like 
two points for the first four games. If you he were didn't put up two him. points. That's bad because he's sitting in your lineup, you know, and, and he's taking up a spot. He was costing people games, and I think for the end of the season he picked it up, but I think that was really a product of that offense and how high scoring they were. I don't think, he, I don't think he's very talented. No, but this is – well, first of all, I mean, I do think he might be one of those guys who's efficient until he gets thrust into a workhorse role. I agree about that. But let's – I think fantasy Twitter is too reactionary. They were talking about dropping him after four games. Let's look at what he did in the first four games. Yes, people drafted him as an RB1, but he put up 13.5 against San Francisco, 10.5 against Washington. I guess we didn't know just how good Washington's run defense was back then, but I mean, you know, 8.4 against Detroit. That's disappointing. You wanted him to break out against the Lions. Then Carolina, like it's sort of like, oh, Kenyon Drake hasn't had his breakout, but it better be this week because he gets another great matchup, 3.5. But people are talking about dropping him then. But let's that's not awful. Come on now. He gets then come bounces back. It's 12.7 against the Jets. People are still off of Kenyon Drake. They're still disappointed because they're like, well, if he can't put up 20 against the Jets, he must be terrible. Then puts up 28.4 against the Cowboys. Then 4.6 against Seattle. Then goes into a bye week and just gets like solid RB2 production rest of the year. Yeah, and that's just that's not what we were expecting. And I think that... If he remains with the Cardinals, we're going to see a similar storyline to that where he has a few big games. But other than that, he's just kind of solid RB2. Okay, yeah, I mean... It, maybe yeah. actually, maybe even deeper. I don't I don't trust him because I think he's going to have some of those 4.6 and 3.5. So maybe some solid RB2 maybe for the most part, but he's going to have some fluctuating numbers. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he wasn't all that inconsistent though. I think it's sort of just like left a bad taste in fantasy owners' mouth. But like, let's not act like he was terrible last year. He was perfectly mm-hmm. fine. And I'm I'm not like on the Kenya Drake train again this year. It's just not <laughs> fair to say he got two every yeah, game. Yeah, you're 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 off that train for good, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm scarred for life after that one. Uh, number fifteen, Melvin Gordon. Oh man, wait, is Philip Lindsay coming back? I keep forgetting. Let's look up Philip Lindsay's contract. Uh, Philip Lindsay contract. Um, let's see his uh. I think he might be a free agent. He's a restricted free agent, so he's probably coming back. Never mind. Oh, man. Oh, that's so hard to judge. Gordon with Lindsey. Because I feel like the Broncos don't know what they have in Lindsey because he's a good player who isn't utilized enough. But then they signed Gordon to this deal. And Gordon, he really disappointed for a while. I sold him to Chris for, like, chump change. And that was really a stupid move on my part. This is another reason why people are reactionary. Like, let's talk about, I mean, at the end of the season, he wasn't that bad. 18.4, 3.1, 14.2, 9.1, 20.1, 7.9, and then 17 in week 17. Like, that's, okay, that's not the greatest. And I think some of that may have been, although maybe not all, I'm not, I'm, that may, some of that may have been when Lindsey was hurt. But it's not like Gordon was, like, complete, well, I guess he was complete trash for a while, so. Yeah, and he just had that one really massive game at the end of the season, and that kind of carried him over a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, not massive, since it was 17. Yeah, it wasn't massive, but that one definitely helped his jump up a good bit. He overall wasn't a very consistent back, or a very good back at that, and, uh. Yeah, I, I'm not really 100% sure what his production is going to look like next year, but I think it's probably going to find itself in the RB3 range. Mm-hmm. All right, number 16 is Chris Carson. Uh, he only played 11 games, so this is actually his third straight season being in the top 15 in terms of average fantasy points per game. He finished as the RB15 in 2018, RB13 in 2019, RB10 in 2020 in average points per game. The Pete Carroll wants to get back to running the ball more like they did in 2019 and 2018. And yet Chris Carson is the RB22 in consensus on Fantasy Pros. 
He's consistently undervalued year after year. If I told you that you're getting a top 15 running back at top at RB22 back end RB2 prices, wouldn't you take it? I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely like Chris Carson as well. I think that he still has something to give. And uh, he is a free agent, though, so that'll be interesting. And I've heard rumors that they're not really considering uh, rostering him, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was all, all that whole rant was just based on if they sign him again. If he goes somewhere else, who knows what happens? But he's always been underrated. I would just love him to stay, though, just so we could have another season of underrated Chris Carson like going after him and then he's quietly picks up the rb14 spot again or whatever and it's just like oh well i got a value nice mm-hmm. ronald jones he got his way to rb17 in only 13 games that's impressive it's gonna be interesting i think the team wants to retain leonard fournette but ronald jones is their guy he's the rb1 there i've never been the biggest ronald jones truther Ronald Jones, I know he didn't show it in the playoffs, but he's the better running back than Leonard Fournette. He'll get the majority of the carries, but he's going to be frustrating because there are going to be games where Bruce Arians just throws Ronald Jones in the doghouse, and it's just like he's gone. He's disappeared. But he should. I think mm-hmm. I'll probably rank him as more around a back-end RB2 just because there's a lot of running backs I like this year. Yep. All right. Number 18 is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He played 13 games. He actually... Aside out out of his first game, which was good, he didn't have any like blow up games, but he was fine. Signing Le'Veon Bell kind of hurt him, so he should jump up for me. See, he's just such a frustrating player with me because he's in that offense, but I don't know if he's that talented. Like, I think he's definitely Mm -hmm. a good player to have because I think that he's gonna be like a a solid talent, but I don't think he's ever gonna be a star. That's fair. I mean, I think with that offense, with Le'Veon Bell probably leaving, I do like him. I remember ranked as RB21. That doesn't – it's kind of weird because there's just a lot of guys that I find myself putting ahead of these guys, and it makes them seem lower than I feel like they actually are. Like, there's a big tier in, like, that RB2 range, and I maybe I'll move Clyde Edwards-Hilaire up. And I agree that he's not the most talented player, but he's a good pass catcher. He's a good fit for the offense, at least. And uh, I think he could maybe develop into a little bit more of a workhorse role to maybe staying on the field more on third downs, which is what people hope he'll develop into eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I totally agree. That's just the biggest thing is I think it's just improving his skills. And as the years go on, I think that he'll definitely grow in that field. All right. Number 19 is Miles Sanders. He played 12 games out of 15, still finished as RB19. He was very frustrating, but then he did pick it up when Jalen Hurts came in. Miles Sanders is probably about a mid-tier RB2 kind of guy, pretty solid. He has some potential, though. People forget that Miles Sanders is a very talented player, and if Jalen Hurts breaks out, he's really able to create space for Miles Sanders in the running game, which is nice for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, then- I mean, yeah, I definitely like... Uh... Sanders in general, but uh, it seems like a lot of his big stuff was coming on these huge runs. Well, yeah, but he, for, well, first of all, that is who Miles Sanders is. He he will get those big runs. He had a few of those, but he was still like when J- I agree with Carson when Carson Wentz was there. But that Eagles offense was just so bad. And people were just keying on Miles Sanders. And I know, like Miles Sanders did have a decent workload. People were mad about like Doug Peterson, like underusing him he didn't really underuse him I just feel like when I watched Miles Sanders play which I did a lot rooting on him for my fantasy team it was more like they kind of used him in the wrong situations and it's like oh give the ball to Miles Sanders it's like no 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 don't give it to him here he's just gonna get stuffed like maybe how DK Metcalf sort of sort of got shut down in the second half of the season because the Seahawks were so predictable maybe the same thing kind of with Miles Sanders I think Jalen Hurts 
well, helped that offense, even though his passing stats weren't that great. His rushing stats really helped to open it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it does concern me that a lot of it was on big plays. because I don't know if that's necessarily repeatable, but he is, he, he had a bunch of them. So maybe that's just the type of player he is. Again, that goes along with the inconsistency, though, which I hate to have on my fantasy team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to – I think he's going to be less – he was less inconsistent, though, with Hurts. I think he'll be mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect a big jump from him just because Peterson's gone because his workload's probably going to stay about the same because, his, again, his workload wasn't really that bad. Um, But, I mean, yeah, so I think we're – but, I mean, I know I did say that uh, it was like – it, that Peterson didn't use in the right way. But, I mean, it's also just like, I don't know, I think it may have just been mainly the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that just the offense, the line, or the offensive line, or just the offense in general was making him look bad. Last running back before we wrap up, number 20, DeAndre Swift. Played just 12 games. My, one of my favorite guys next year. I'm on the DeAndre Swift hype train. I took him number seven overall in a dynasty startup. And that's not even, a, I've seen him ranked even higher than that. And it's going to be fantastic for him. Love him in redraft. Love him in dynasty. He's my RB12. He could even move up a little bit higher as well. DeAndre Swift, he's going to be a workhorse. Anthony Lynn knows he can be. The offensive coordinator, Dan Campbell, the head coach, knows he can be. They said they might bring in a guy, but they've also talked about more how they want to use Swift in the slot. How Swift is a workhorse. Swift this, Swift that. I mean, it's not been... They've talked about it, maybe not constantly, but like it's been... His, his talent, what he showed on the field was huge. And it's another situation like Antonio Gibson, where he really broke out. Then he had this injury. Then he had this illness and that sort of slowed him down. So I'm just seeing what he did when he broke out, not like that's garbage later in the season. And he wasn't even garbage, but like, he's a really good player. He doesn't have one amazing like trait, but he has a lot of really good ones. And we've seen like with Josh Jacobs and Deandre Swift, that can be a formula for success in the NFL. Um, Excuse me. Don't look don't overlook those guys who have like a lot of really good traits, but not one great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me see here. Wait, Gavin, you want to continue? I'm just looking up some stats quickly. Oh, okay. I mean, that's basically all I've got on DeAndre Swift. So I guess if you can whatever stats you have, um, but then we can maybe wrap up the episode. Yeah, let me I wanted to look up there was some important thing. Oh, I remember it. Uh, so basically, one of the interesting things to look at it for DeAndre Swift is Jared Goff was. Uh, oh, actually, never mind. Matthew Stafford did check down a lot more to his receivers than uh, Jared Goff did. Jared Goff barely threw to his receivers. It could be a function of the offense, but something to watch out for a little bit. That just DeAndre Swift stopped maybe by one or two spots. I think it was like Matthew Stafford threw to his running back twenty five percent of the time and. Jared Goff only 13, so that could be something that could bump him down one or two spots, but it shouldn't hurt him too much. So, But it's also that they're going to line him up in the slot as well. And also Jared Goff, when he was in uh, like Los Angeles, he didn't have like a great pass catcher. Like Cam Akers can catch passes, and Todd Gurley can, but I mean, they weren't... I mean, I guess Todd Gurley was a good pass catcher in his heyday. It's hard to think of him other than like a washed old inside runner these days, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, it's not like... I feel like Jared Goff hasn't really had a pass catcher like DeAndre Swift because he is an excellent pass catcher and I mean if Dan Campbell's gonna I mean Dan Campbell's talking about he's they're gonna throw him the ball and I mean maybe Jared Goff throws it to him a little bit less but he he can still Jared Goff's also worked with some guys who have been workhorses on the ground Gurley Mm -hmm. and Akers for a little while so he'll be fine Mm -hmm. yep that wraps up the episode make sure to follow us on Twitter 
at SGF pod at Calvin underscore SGF at Chris underscore SGF. Click the website link in the description. Email us. The, our email is in the description. Second goal fantasy at gmail.com. Make sure to check out our live show. Follow us on Twitter at SG sports talk. You can get updates there as well. And yeah, I mean, send questions. We haven't been getting as many questions in the off season lately, but I mean, this is the most important time to listen to the show and we're willing to answer questions and all of this is free. All of our rookie profiles, all of our rankings, no paywalls, no Patreon. It's free. Why wouldn't you listen mm-hmm. to us who are smarter than everyone else and also don't make you pay? <laughs> yep. All right. Exactly. Yeah, this was a good show. I really liked this one. Yeah, this was a fun one. All right. Stay tuned. Next week, next Monday, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say subject to change because, I mean, we're going to get back on schedule. But, I mean, if something catastrophic happened, you could follow us on Twitter at SGF Pod for updates. We apologize for releasing this two days late. Chris was not available at our usual recording time, but we'll be back next week, Monday, 3 a.m. And, um, I mean, we're not up at 3 a.m. to release it. We schedule the episode, obviously. Or, I mean, I won't say obviously because someone actually did not realize that recently who I was talking to. But we'll be back next week. Top 20 wide receivers. Thank you for listening, everyone. Any final thoughts, Chris, before we go? Good episode. Oh, I'm so excited. Just talking about those RBs, DeAndre Swift. Jonathan Taylor, some young guys that are coming up. They're going to be good next year. And then March Madness is coming up as mm-hmm. well. It's already happening. We're already in the conference tournaments. If you want to talk, this is our Twitter accounts don't have to be just fantasy. If you want to ask us about March Madness or something, I mean, I'm just going to start getting into the, watching those games like for real now. Like really getting into that. I'll probably call some, like I said. It's going to be great. March. Spring training, pitchers and catchers. Oh, I guess not just pitchers and catchers. They've already started playing games. Mm-hmm. Baseball, basketball, hockey, everything's going on. Sports yep. are back. Remember when sports were not back? Like, I was just mm-hmm. – I, I, I was I watching, know. like, these – I watched, like, the best, like, theme song videos for, like, TV show sports theme songs, and I was just, like, remembering when we didn't have sports. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, man, that was really just when the podcast started, too. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we got football. We got everything. And I'm glad they were able to play a full NFL season. I don't know if we've really shown enough appreciation for that on this podcast, that they've had a full NFL season with no cancellations. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has been. All right. We had a Wake Forest quarterback turned practice squad wide receiver play QB, and it was not good. I was wa- I actually watched Kendall Hinton's highlights just recently, but, I mean – we had to have Kendall Hinton play quarterback, and that's going to be one we're going to tell our grandkids about. But we got mm-hmm. through a full NFL season. Yep. All right. Thank you for listening. I've been going kind of on and on now, but thank you for listening. <laughs> we're going to head out now. We'll see you next time.